Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Is Jesus directing our faith, or am I letting the events of my life direct my faith? Is everything that's happening around me really making the decision? And do I base my decisions on my emotions or the stability of the rock of Jesus Christ? Friends, the Bible never asks you to come and believe something that isn't true. The Bible doesn't come and say, hey, you need to believe for the sake of believing. Did you know the Bible does not expect you to believe things that are not true? So when the Bible says that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and that he was to give all who put their faith and trust in him the forgiveness of sins, eternal life, and peace, you can believe that. Today on Changed by Love, Pastor Jim explores this and more in part two of a message from the Gospel of John entitled, Believing Thomas. Let's continue with Thomas, verse 26. And after eight days, now they count the days differently, so it would be the following Sunday, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. And if you got your own Bible, circle those two words, Jesus came. Thomas is doubting. Jesus is like, okay, we'll do this. We'll do this. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst. So Jesus just appeared and said, Thomas, how many times did I have to tell you I was going to die on the cross and be raised from the dead? Because he told the apostles that all over. It's always funny, the apostles' editorials at the end, when they're writing, they're like, but we didn't understand what he was talking about. I mean, we're like, that's pretty clear. I'm going to go, and they're going to kill me, and I'm going to rise from the dead. And they're like, what's he talking about? They didn't understand that. Thomas, you were not listening. You were not listening. You were at the bottom of the class. That's why you weren't here. Or did he go, Thomas, you are just one big problem. You know, I prayed for the apostles, and then I met you guys, and I was like, God, are you kidding me? This is how you answer my prayers? And you were the worst of the bunch, Thomas. In fact, Thomas, we're going to call you from the rest of your life Doubting Thomas. That's going to be the name that I'm going to give you. Nope, not at all. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says to him, peace to you. Shalom. Peace to you. Verse 27, then he said to Thomas, (laughs) somebody's been listening. (laughs) Jesus has been listening to what they're saying. Shh, he's here. Don't whisper to the person next to you. When's this guy going to be done? Jesus is listening. (laughs) Basically, he says to Thomas, Thomas, I want you to doubt your doubts just for a second. He says to him, reach your fingers here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving. Get out of your state of unbelief. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And so Jesus challenges and invites Thomas to embrace him by faith. So Jesus has been watching Thomas, but now... Thomas and all of us have to watch Jesus. The first thing I notice about Jesus is how incredibly patient he is with our doubts. 
how incredibly merciful he is with our doubts. I mean, he's like, he doesn't say to him, dude, you have walked with me for three years. You have watched me do all kinds of miracles. Now, I raised people from the dead, not in a resurrected body like I have, but you saw me raise the dead. You saw me feed thousands of people with some kid's happy meal. I mean, you saw all kinds of stuff. How could you not believe? No, he is so patient. He is so merciful with Thomas. After that, we see what lengths God has gone to offer men and women the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Jesus says to him, if you don't think that I died on the cross for you, look at my wounds. Check me out. Notice, of course, Jesus came. God became a man. He, God confronts us, and I mean that word in a good way, not in a bad way. God confronts us with himself. He gave us concrete evidence by becoming a man and calls us to faith, to which a lot of people will answer, my faith, listen, I don't need an experience with Jesus or any kind of evidence to have faith. Yes, you do. Because how many people's faith has wilted under the pain of life? How many people's faith has wilted under the pressure of life? How many people's faith has wilted under the disappointments of life? And sadly, many people say they want faith, but we often treasure our own independence and our own opinions more than we treasure Jesus. Now, if you don't believe me, let me ask you one of the more difficult questions to ask people on an Easter Sunday morning. The Bible teaches Jesus and the apostles proponents of the fact that we are to gather each week to worship the Lord. Not to feel good about ourselves. Maybe or maybe not we'll get anything out of it. But to hear God speak, to worship him in song, to pray to the Lord how hard is that for us to get to church on Sundays? We have all kinds of different reasons. Well, God wouldn't want me to skip this, would he? He might. <laughs> what about those of you who've been here on Sunday mornings, the Sermon on the Mount? Talk about having your faith challenged. Every Friday morning, I'm just you know, trying to, I'm picturing Sunday and I'm going to the Sermon on the Mount, and I'm like, well, God, it should be the pastor's a Christian, don't you think? <laughs> because it's that, it's that intense. And you know, you think, well, it's easy for you to come on Sunday. You're the pastor. No, it's not. No, it's not. For the first six months, I was like, I get to go to church. Now I'm like, I get to go to church. <laughs> but until we encounter and embrace and internalize the truth of the resurrected Christ, peace to you, God's peace to you will evade us. Jesus is confronting Thomas's presuppositions, which in some ways is different than the first century Jew. First off, God become a man unthinkable. Unthinkable. Now, some of you might say, really, is that true? Do, is it, do, do Christians believe that? We sing it at Christmas, Emmanuel. Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Not to mention that a God who goes and dies a horrific, shameful death on a cross would be absolutely inconceivable to a first century Jew. 
It would be like the electric chair. Could you picture God coming here and, and getting the electric chair or lethal injection and being in front of all kinds of people? Though they didn't even talk about it, it was considered ill-mannered to talk about the cross. But like all of us, the uniqueness of this carpenter from Nazareth challenges us, do I really believe? Or to ask ourselves, am I willing to even consider believing? Or is my mind already made up? Am I willing to consider Jesus' offer for a new kind of life that he offers after this one without pain, a new body, a new world where death is not the end? Is Jesus directing our faith or am I letting the events of my life direct my faith? Is everything that's happening around me really making the decision? And do I base my decisions on my emotions or the stability of the rock of Jesus Christ? Friends, the Bible never asks you to come and believe something that isn't true. The Bible doesn't come and say, hey, you need to believe for the sake of believing. Instead, the Bible comes and demands faith grounded in truth. Faith in Jesus Christ, the one who said himself, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. So what did Thomas do? Verse 28, and Thomas answered and said to him, my bad, Jesus, sorry. I was off. Guess you really are alive. How'd you do that? <laughs> no, that's not what he said. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You know, actually, a lot of scholars consider this to be one of the greatest professions of faith in the entirety of the Bible. What I like about it and find it so interesting is how fast it happened. I, mean, I love it when you just see people just boom, just right there, right in the moment, just change. And Thomas is like, it's God. <laughs> there he is. And the people who knock on your front door, when if you were to give them this passage, they would say, oh, no. He was saying, oh, my Lord. <laughs> like he was shocked and surprised. Or if they're from Jersey, oh, my God. <laughs> Which actually, for a first century Jew, to say that would be blasphemy. And Jesus is going to bless him shortly, and so he wouldn't have blessed him for blaspheming. But notice Thomas' words are deeply personal. My Lord, my God. And they're also deeply theological and intellectual. Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is God. Friends, this is what coming to faith looks like. It's when an unbelieving person or a skeptic drops their conditions, drops their presuppositions, and is now a believer. But it's not also how someone comes to faith. It is what it means to be a believer. And you are not a Christian. You may be on the census poll, and you may tell people that you are a Christian, but as far as Jesus and the apostles went, I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm saying this to get you to think. And those of us who have come to the place of putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, this was a big part of the confrontation that Jesus brought to us. You are not a Christian until you can say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and my God. That is how 
personal God is. That is how personal Jesus Christ is, that I will come to earth, that I will live a perfect life, that I will die on the cross for your sins because I'm that personal. I am that deeply involved in your life. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, now let's talk about for a second what Jesus didn't say to him. Jesus didn't say to him, Thomas, I'm not God. I'm just a mere man. No, Jesus didn't say that. Jesus didn't say, hey, you shouldn't worship me. No, Jesus didn't refuse his worship. By the way, when you read the, you know, you see the pictures of people bowing down to other human beings and, and kissing their hands and kissing their rings. And don't just say I'm picking on the Pope because it happens in certain Protestant denominations too. When that happens in the Bible, the apostles are like, get up, get up, because they know that no one is to be worshipped but God. And you say, oh, that's just reverence. The apostles were like, do not do that to us. We don't want any part of that. Sometimes people will meet me and they'll find out I'm a pastor and I understand where they're coming from. It's a cultural thing and they'll be like, oh, you are a holy man. And I'll be like, here, call my wife. <laughs> and I am holy in the sense that anybody who's put their trust in Jesus Christ is God's holy and set-apart people. But please, not in the sense that you're thinking of. Verse 29, Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. And then interestingly, Jesus gives us a beatitude. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Now let's again look at what Jesus is not saying. He's not saying that more blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. He's just saying that people who have not seen, physically seen Jesus and believed will have a certain blessing upon their lives. Thomas needed to see Jesus to be an apostle. It is a requirement of being an apostle. You have to have seen the risen Christ. And our friends from India will tell you that they are very grateful for St. Thomas because, as tradition has it, he went to India to preach the gospel. There's a whole group of churches called the Marthama Church, Marthama Thomas, the churches of St. Thomas. And so they're very thankful for that. So in order to be an apostle, he had to see Jesus because the apostles needed to see Jesus. Why? To tell us that he rose from the dead. Other than that, they were like, well, he said he was gonna. Did he? I don't know. Jesus is teaching us here that we don't have to have physically seen him rise from the dead to believe. He says that you are blessed, and the idea of being blessed here is, because it's connected to belief, is you are accepted by God if you believe, if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. So if you are here and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have turned to God and put your trust in Jesus, there you are in the Bible. Circle it in your Bible and go, that's me. <laughs> Even if by the grace of God, you overcame hurdles to belief like Thomas did. 
First Peter, the apostle Peter, chapter one, verse eight, nine says this, talking about Jesus. Whom having not seen you love. So the people he's writing to, they never saw Jesus. Peter did, they never did. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. I don't know about you, but I think that's what church should be like. I think it should be a bunch of people coming in with all their problems, all their gunk, all their mess, all their sicknesses, all their heartache, and just for a moment, just saying, Lord, I'm just gonna lay them right here in front of you, and I'm gonna worship you with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Verse nine, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now you might say to me, but I need to see. I'm a visual person, Pastor Jim. I need to see Jesus. Good. Let me tell you how. Verse 30 again. John writes, And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And then the apostle John tells you why he wrote it. But these things, the things he chose to write about, or you could say the things that are in the Bible, but the things he chose to write about are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life, eternal life, how? By being a good person? Nope, that's not what it says. In his name. When we talk about in his name, Jesus, yes, but in his name is what a name represents all that he is about, embracing all the totality of who Jesus is. So if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, again, I'm glad that you're here. We'd love to get a chance to talk to you. You can email me during the week and we can help you with a little bit of this stuff or even a lot of this stuff, but we'd love to dialogue with you about this. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the Apostle John says this to you. This is you in the Bible. He says to you, I am writing this stuff to you about Jesus so you would become a follower of Jesus. That's why I wrote it. That's why I wrote it for you. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, he's saying to you, listen, I wrote this stuff to you so your faith would grow deep. So when all of the trials and all of the trouble and all of the difficulty comes, because it comes to everybody, the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. None of us are running in between the raindrops. And if you are, get ready because the storm is coming. And so if that's you and you're a follower of Jesus, John wrote this stuff so your faith would be deep, so you would be growing in grace, so you would be able to tell others the good news, but you would be able to stand up under all of the difficulties of life. And you may not know this. It's always interesting to talk to people. And when you're a pastor, you meet all different kinds of people. And all of a sudden, people hear you're a pastor and they want to have these faith conversations with you. And you may not know this, but the trouble spots of faith are often the same for both those who believe and those who don't. It's an amazing thing. It's the same problems. It's the same difficulties. Everybody's worried about their health and their kids and their job and the economy and what's next and what's tomorrow going to bring. So often it's the same worries. It's the same fears. So how do you see Jesus in the midst of all of that stuff? You read what the apostles wrote. That's how you see him. You listen to what they saw. And you say to yourself, you know what? 
These guys died for this. These guys stood in front of people and they said, all you need to do is recant that that book you wrote was false. And they go, I can't. That would be lying. I saw all of these things. How do you see Jesus? You look at all the things that they told us about Jesus. You say, how do you know it's true? Look at how often Jesus was chastising and rebuking the apostles. Nobody in their right mind would write a book where the founders of the faith outside of Jesus look like complete idiots so often. (laughs) These guys are like, oh yeah, he yelled at us about that. We didn't look too good there. Thomas doubted what the apostles said. And when you doubt what the apostles say, at that point, you are an unbeliever. And so Jesus challenges Thomas, why don't you believe what the apostles said? Why don't you believe what they told you? And so in a moment of faith, that's all it takes. You don't have to get your life together and come to Jesus. You don't have to do all kinds of rituals and come to Jesus. You just have to say, I know I'm a sinner. I need a savior. I'm going to put my trust in you, Jesus. And in an absolute second, in a moment of time, doubting Thomas becomes believing Thomas. Now, are you and I believing Thomas? Because he just told us who Jesus is. He just told us. He's the Lord. He's God. If you read the Gospels carefully, you see when Jesus is on trial, he's on trial before the Jewish religious leaders, before the Romans, and before the whole world. And here's the interesting thing. We all get a vote. But there's only two choices on the ballot. Crucify him or crown him. Either be one of the people that's saying we need to crucify him, we need to get rid of this guy, or you're one of the people that says he's our king. There's no neutrality. Jesus won't have it. He says you're either for me or against me. It's far less a matter of evidence. Literally speaking, the evidence dwarfs everything else for the authenticity of the New Testament. It's more about your vote, about you and I taking a step towards Jesus. Interesting, the word faith, people throw it around, and and probably you might say faith is a different kind of vision. But, you know, the Apostle John doesn't use the word faith in his gospel. He uses the word believe. And he uses that word believe almost a hundred times. In some way, a lot of people might say, well, faith is knowledge. Faith is just something that you sort of have in your head. But to believe is an active trust in the person of Jesus Christ. To believe, to trust, is to invest all your hope in Jesus. Believing, trusting in Jesus is personal and it's life-changing. It's how we gain hold of the forgiveness of sins in eternal life. It's how we go to heaven. It's how we are adopted by God, which is even better than the forgiveness of sins to be brought in as royalty, as part of God's family. It's how we're brought into his family. So I want to ask you this question as we close. We've heard from the Apostle Thomas. Are you doubting Thomas? Or are you believing him? Do you doubt what he said? My Lord and my God? 
Do you doubt that he's Lord and God? Or do you believe what Thomas said? Take a moment. Think about it now. Think about it today. Think about it this week. Think about it every day for the rest of your life. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is central to the beliefs of every Christian. And Easter is the time we get to celebrate this momentous event. We're so glad you tuned in today to hear Pastor Jim Kevney's message from Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope you've discovered something new about who Jesus was and how his life still has an impact on yours today. Do you have questions about what being a follower of Jesus is all about? We'd love to talk with you, and we'll do our best to answer all of your questions. Give us a call at 973-659-3380. If you prefer email, feel free to send us one to info at changedbyloveradio.com. If you're in the Dover area, we'd be thrilled to have you come join us for our weekly services. Calvary Chapel Morris Hills meets Sundays and Wednesdays to spend time getting to know each other and learning more about God by studying the Bible. Come shake hands with Pastor Jim and grab a cup of coffee and let us know how you heard about Changed by Love. Find out more about our community and get service times by giving us a call. That number one more time is 973-659-3380. Thanks for taking the time to tune in today to Changed by Love. We're so happy you're part of our listening audience, and we're praying for you with every broadcast. Join us again to keep learning from the pages of the Bible with Pastor Jim, right here on Changed by Love.